and blast off. Good morning, everyone. Let me invite you to uh, find a seat, sit down, and then stand up together with us. We're going to sing, Lord, I lift your name on high. Amen? Amen. Amen. God is worthy of our praise. <clears throat> There's a handsome guy, dark hair and glasses. Have you seen him around here anywhere? Oh, here, never mind. Here he is. Come on up here, Jasper. Oh, yeah. Thank you. <laughs> Good morning, everyone. Okay, for our announcement, uh, TMBC Ladies Christmas Luncheon this coming Saturday, December 2nd at 11.30 a.m. To all ladies. And uh, Rick Strickland concert this coming Sunday, December 3rd at 4 p.m. So we encourage you to invite your friends, family, loved ones to join this, uh, to witness this concert. And this is from Chris Rogers. No more uh, morning, evening Bible studies uh, this uh, December. They're going to resume on January. Yeah, so uh, to our guests, if this is your first time, we encourage you to fill out our guest registration card. We want to know you and pray for you. And shall we commit our uh, worship to the Lord? Shall we pray? Father, what a joy to see uh, one another uh, serving you, knowing you, Lord. And thank you for the presence of each one of us here today. And we ask, Lord, that you will guide us, help us, Lord, to seek your will and glorify you in everything you do, in everything we do, Lord, as what the Bible says, that we need to glorify you, Lord, in everything we do, because this is the reason why we exist as your people and as basis what in the book of Genesis says that everything was created good, and that is to bring glory and honor to you, Lord. Bless our time together as we sing. Listen to your word, Lord. Give us the joy, the joy that from the Lord Jesus Christ, knowing that we have that salvation that nobody could take, that, that, 
the time that we accepted you as our Lord and Savior, we are saved. We are saved forever. And we have that joy, Lord God. And we bring back all the glory and honor to your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. I don't know about you, but I'm getting the strong <laughs> sense that someone was nearby wanting to say something. I think I was right. Boo. That was worth it, let me tell you. So today is the last day to uh, sign up for the luncheon. And our speaker, Cynthia Held, she had a bad accident. She's not going to be here. But Chris Rogers agreed to be our speaker. Thank so you, please come. It still will be awesome. <laughs> okay, just give me catch my breath here. Okay. All right. Hey, uh, you know what? Uh, often when I... Um, <laughs> When, I, when we're getting ready to sing this song, uh, someone says, how come you didn't have everyone stand? So so nobody says that to me this time. Let's stand again and sing. Yes. I stand amazed in the presence. <laughs> Amen. for us to sing that every morning, would it? Huh. All right. All right. Let's, let's sing together. How deep the Father's love for us. There's a lot of scriptures about that, and I forgot to read ours, didn't I? Was it up there? Yes. Oh, good. That's not embarrassing at all. Well, okay. In my defense, I was frightened, <laughs> and I Start lost on. track. Start 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 good story, Craig. Good story. Get the words right out of his mouth. 
I, if you wouldn't mind, yeah, I, I didn't memorize it this morning. I might get a word wrong. <laughs> First John 4, 9. Herein was the love of God manifested in us, that God has sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. Verse 10. Herein is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us. Amen. And sent his son to be the propitiation of our sins. And <clears throat> Leonard, that means he paid the price for our sins. Okay. I, I didn't, I didn't realize that was a big fancy word in there, but that's what that means. All right. How deep the father's love for us. <laughs> My song next? Your song okay. is, your song is okay, next. Wait, wait, Chris, I, I wanted to talk a bit first. <laughs> and I need to, unfortunately, I need to blow my nose. <laughs> Sorry, allergies. Hey, he's, he's got a special, so let's let him get ready. You don't want any bad things happening during that. Turn off the mic. Okay, that's better. We don't plan any of this. It just happens. Yeah. But I, I did want to talk a little bit first. Um, we're we're, we're going to try to sing Find Us Faithful. 
and for some reason I'm so nervous. <laughs> but uh, I thought of this song because a couple weeks ago we had we had a men's breakfast. Little plug for men's breakfast, you know, coming up again. Um, and we and we talked about uh, well part part of of David's life and uh, you know Eli's sons and stuff and and. Uh, you know how it, it kind of seemed like Eli kind of failed his sons. I mean, they were what? What did what did it say that they, that his, his sons were? Um, they, they were they were they were they were bad bad kids, <laughs> and uh, and so fi find us faithful. It 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 talks about uh, us, you know, being faithful for for our kids, and. When you know, when we're gone, are are they going to see what we what we did? Are, are are is what we left for them going to lead them to Christ and lead them on on their their road to Christ? Uh, but okay, okay, start start the video, Chris. <laughs> I think I'm done. <clears throat> Find us faithful. with all wisdom so that we may present every person complete in Christ. For this purpose, I also labor, striving according to his power, which works mightily within us. Amen. We're pilgrims on the journey of the narrow road. And those who've gone before us line the way, cheering on the faithful, encouraging the weary, their lives a stirring testament to God's sustaining grace. Surrounded by so great a cloud, of witnesses let us run the race not only for the prize but as those who've gone before us let us leave to those behind us the heritage of faithfulness passed on through godly Uh -huh. 
Moises Grossinger, and I'm from El Salvador. I actually don't know much about my own country uh, because I was in an orphanage in the middle of nowhere, and that's where I grew up. Every Sunday after church service, it was family day for, for those who had parents. Every year, I waited, and, and not having them visit me, so I always asked myself, if I wasn't good enough for my parents, would I ever be good enough for anyone else? So that day when we were told that there were going to be people coming to our homes to bring us gifts, and they kept repeating the phrase, Jesus loves you, uh, I started to walk away when a man motions me back and um, he tells me, where are you going? You don't have a shoebox yet. And I quickly replied, but I don't have any parents. And um, that's when he looked directly into my eyes and with a smile on his face, he just hands me the shoebox and he tells me, Jesus loves me. As I received that, I kept looking at it and I started to walk away. And I looked back to see if the man was going to come back and take the shoebox back, but he didn't. And he knew what I was thinking, so he just smiled and waited for everybody to have a moment to open the shoebox. That day was just full of joy. So my wow item was a, a soccer ball, and I couldn't believe it, that it was mine, um, that I just remember opening it and receiving that soccer ball. And I just remember just playing in the orphanage. We had a big field to play on, and I just remember running with the soccer ball all, all over the orphanage. So it was that moment when I realized that I was loved and I was seen. With my shoebox, I also received the greatest gift booklet. And I, that's when my prayer journey began, and I started to pray for a family. When I was 10 years old, I was called into the office of the orphanage and I was told that there was going to be a family in the United States who wanted to adopt me. And I was introduced to my adopted family and I just remember running to them and calling them familia. Now I live my life saying yes to the Lord because I have no reason to say no. He did not just give me a family, but he gave me a new life.
So you saw some pictures. It was a lot of fun. Um, so I'm here to report on how we did. Um, first of all, let me say thank you to my team of volunteers because they were fabulous. I got to meet and know people from this church that have been, I've seen for years but never really talked to. It was wonderful. The fellowship was the best thing of the, of the week. Um, but our church built 420 boxes. That's, that's way more than last year, and that does not include the online boxes, which I know a lot of you did online boxes. We haven't got those totals yet. Uh, for the Southwest Tucson area, we collected over 12,250 boxes. Just Southwest Tucson. That's a lot. Um, our uh, drop-off location, uh, we, we collected over 1,400 right here at this church. So that was a lot. Thank you for your help. Thank, for you. Thank you for your prayers. Keep praying for these boxes that we reach more little kids like Moises. Good morning, Tucson Mountain. I have to do a little housekeeping first. Um, we're having a little issue. We want to make sure that a lot of people are getting taken care of. And <clears throat> I hate to do this. I was going to try to get up here during announcements, but I was in giving new instructions to our um, food pantry ministry. The food pantry ministry is, is wanting to share food with you guys and giving food with you guys. But near the end of the invitation and in, at the start of the last song, in the middle of the last song, some of you are getting up and leaving and you're going to that food pantry closet. That's going to cease. They will not open that door anymore until the last song is sung. Okay? So you might as well just sit and relax and enjoy the song and sing along because that's what we're here for. If we can't give an hour, an hour and a half to God on a Sunday morning... Um, you need to come sit down and talk with me a little bit, all right? Really. Today's message is about prayer. You know, I thought about this, and somebody came to me about two or three weeks ago, and they made a statement, and I was, I was going to be finished with Ephesians. I genuinely was. But there's some verses at the end of Ephesians that really sum this up quite well. And they said, well, I guess all I can do is pray. And I had to go away and think about that. And I'm going, all you can do is pray. There's way more to prayer than that. And we need to remember that. The Bible's idea of prayer and our idea of prayer is very different in a lot of ways. <clears throat> when we think of prayer, we often think, well, that's what a spiritual leader does. He gets up in front and he prays. Or a Bible study leader. Or maybe you do that before you eat. But there's much more to it than that. Prayer shouldn't be routine, it shouldn't be tradition, it should be special, because God changes the world through our prayers, and we need to grasp that concept. Think about this, Moses at the Red Sea. Now, I've given you guys snippets of the verses I'm going to read, because they're longer passages, but you guys have the crux of it, okay? Exodus 14, 13 through 16, Moses answered the people, do not be afraid. You were in good company, Craig. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance of the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. Then the Lord said to Moses, 
Why are you crying out to me? Tell the Israelites to move on. Raise your staff, stretch out your hand over the sea to divide the water so that the Israelites can go through the sea on dry ground. Listen, nobody could cross. The sea was full. The waters were there. What did Moses do? He cried out to God. He prayed. That's what he did. That's all he did. And he followed God's instructions. And what happened? The waters parted and they were able to cross on dry land. Think about this. Christ prayed all the time, did he not? Think about this one, though. Jesus is at the tomb of Lazarus. Lazarus has been in the grave for days. He stinketh, right? That's what they said. John 11, 40 and 43 says this. Then Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I know that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. When he said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. Jesus said, Lazarus, come forth. And what happens? A resurrected man walks out. What did he do? He prayed. Listen, God answers prayer. The early Christian leaders, I'm going to give you one more example. This one I love. The early Christian leaders are standing at the gate. Peter's been taken to prison. And they're standing there, and they simply started asking God, God, we don't know what to do. Do we, what do we, what can we do? How do we get Peter out of prison? He's in prison. He's going to be killed. He might not ever come back. Watch this. Acts 12, 6 through 17. There's a knock on the door. The servant girl goes out. The night before Herod was to bring him to trial, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers, bound with two chains, and sentries stood guard at the entrance. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared, and a light shone in the cell. He struck Peter on the side and woke him up. Quick, get up, he said, and the chains fell off Peter's wrist. Then the angel said to him, put on your clothes and sandals. And Peter did so. Wrap your cloak around you and follow me, the angel told him. Peter followed him out of the prison, but he had no idea that what the angel was doing was really happening. He thought he was seeing a vision. They passed the first and second guards and came to the iron gate leading to the city. It opened for them by itself, and they went through it. When they had walked the length of one street, suddenly the angel left him. Then Peter came to himself and said, now I know without a doubt that the Lord has sent his angel to rescue me from Herod's clutches and from everything the Jewish people were hoping would happen. When this dawned on him, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, also called Mark, where many people were gathered and were praying. Peter knocked on the out, outer entrance and a servant named Rhoda came to answer the door. When she recognized Peter's voice, she was so overjoyed, she ran back without opening it and exclaimed, Peter is at the door. You're out of your mind, they told her. When she kept insisting that it was so, they said it must be his angel. But Peter kept on knocking. And when they opened the door and saw him, they were astonished. Peter motioned with his hand to them to be quiet and described how the Lord had brought him out of the prison. Tell James and the other brothers and sisters about this, he said. Then he left for another place. She came back, it's Peter. 
And they said, what are you, been, what are you doing drinking so early in the morning? She says, no, it's Peter. These guys are sitting inside and they're arguing about how God is going to answer the prayer. And the prayer's already been answered and standing at the door and they won't even open the door. Do we not do the same thing? Man, oh man. All they had to do was open the door. They'd been praying about it. They'd ask about it. Listen, prayer should be our first response, not our last resort. We go about it backwards. And it causes us issues. For me, it doesn't take a lot of effort on my prayer life to change things. It can be even a little attitude change that comes along because of the way we pray. And we need to remember that. Ephesians 6.18 says this, And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. To pray in the Spirit, what does that really mean? Well, does it mean you're holy rollers and you're rolling down the aisles? Does it mean you're speaking in tongues? It doesn't necessarily mean any of that. It's nothing external, but it has everything to do with what's going on internally. It has to do with internal things, not external things. We need to, number one, we need to ask God for guidance. Ask, would you be my leader? Would you help me? Would you show me the way? Would you be my guide on this journey? We need to ask. We need to ask sometimes how to talk to God. But more than that, we need to be still and listen to God. Prayer is the most significant and vital way that God has chosen to allow us to be involved in the actions in this world. And sometimes we forget that. Prayer is doing something. You know, a lot of people, just like the person that came and asked me a while back or told me a while back, well, I guess all I can do is pray. Well, but that's not, that is doing something. It's not that you're not doing something. Prayer is the most vital and important thing we can possibly do. God said he's going to act on the basis of our faith through prayer. Prayer is the manifestation of our faith in Christ. And I want you to wrap that around your mind for a minute. Prayer is the manifestation of our faith in Christ. When God calls you to do something, he calls us to do something with a specific purpose. Sometimes there's a set time limit. Sometimes there is not a set time limit. Sometimes he just wants us to be available. And sometimes that availability is hard to put a time limit on. He wants to give direction. He wants to give comfort. He wants to give guidance. He wants to give assurance to enable us to do what he wants us to do. And so that we're right in the middle of his purpose for our life. And we need to remember that through all our prayers, everything that goes on. Have you ever prayed and, and you just couldn't get the words to come out? Maybe it didn't feel right. Maybe it didn't sound right to you. Maybe you don't understand everything about what you're praying for. Well, that's when the Holy Spirit comes in. And, and he comes in and works with us and alongside us. Romans 8, 26 says this. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express. In those times of life when we think that we don't know how to pray, 
The Holy Spirit is right there doing it for us. When we're faithful and we decide to make contact with God, he will hear our words, but the Holy Spirit is interpreting it and making it understandable for God. We tend to forget that. The Holy Spirit intercedes and he sits at the right hand of God and tells God what we're thinking and what we're saying and what we're babbling about. Sometimes we babble and we don't even know what we're babbling about. But the Holy Spirit does, and he interprets that for us to God. And that may be some and one of the greatest times in our life when we're making our greatest connection with God. We need to rest in the knowledge of that truth that the Holy Spirit is there. Prayer should not be where we're trying to impress God with something. It should be where we're trying to pray and trusting God and resting in his assurance and his comfort and his love for us. The other thing is we have to depend on the power of the Spirit. Depend on the power of the Spirit. We, can't, we pray to the Holy Spirit and, and we rest in his assurance, all those things, but it has to be through his power, not our power. Oftentimes, how many times do we go to God and say, Lord, I, I need your help. Now, what can I do to help? What can I do to make this happen? What can I do to make this real in my life? So how much are we really depending on God? We're trying to do it ourselves. We don't need to immediately look around and try to figure out how to fix it ourselves. Part of prayer should be depending on God for the way he's going to do it, not the way we're going to try to figure out to do it. And that's the problem. Jude verse 20 says, But you, dear friends, build yourselves up in your most holy faith and pray in the Holy Spirit. When it comes to prayer, it's not by our power. It has to be through the Holy Spirit's power, or it's not really a prayer, is it? We're doing it ourselves. Sometimes people think they have a lot of power in their prayer. We really don't. What we do is we release the Holy Spirit to have the power in the prayer. And when we do that, it makes a world of difference if we will be still and listen to what God is telling us. All we've done is release that power for God to work. We ask him to do things we could never do on our own. And we shouldn't. We should always ask him to do the things that we can't do. Because he's going to do it much better. Ever notice God's timing is better? God's ways are better? God's means are better? How's God going to do this? We often think, how is God going to... You ever pray to prayer, and the minute you're finished, you start analyzing, how's he going to do that? And then you start worrying. Oh, I don't know if he can do that. See, it's not a lack of faith. But it is a lack of faith. There's a problem there. You know, Augustine once said, without God, we cannot. Without us praying, he may not. God works through our prayers. We need to learn to pray in different times in different ways. Ephesians 6.18 again, and pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. Listen, Praying at all times means you keep the lines of communication open with God 24-7. Some of you do that. I know that. Others of you do not. And you need to. 
Those lines of communications need to stay open. You never should hang up on God, and you should never put him on call waiting. That's just not the thing to do. Number one, again, we need to pray looking ahead to our day-to-day events. How many of you like the traffic? How many of you pray about the traffic before you get in the car and go into town? Uh-huh. See, here's the issue. <laughs> if, if we pray about things before they happen, we're much better equipped spiritually and mentally to deal with those things before they happen. But if you leave the house thinking, okay, I got to go into town, and you don't pray about the traffic, and you don't like the traffic, now maybe some of you like traffic. If you don't like the traffic, you need to pray about it before you get in the car and go. You're going to be safer. You're going to be calmer. And I've seen some of you drive. You need to pray before you go. All right? You need to pray that God will give you the right attitude. It's important. Talking to God before it actually happens makes a big difference on the final outcome. Another kind of prayer is popcorn prayers. And I like popcorn prayers. You might be at work. You might be in the midst of, of doing something with your family and somebody said something and you think, oh, man, this needs prayer right now. And you can't go into your normal prayer closet and spend 15, 20 minutes praying to God about it. You need to shoot up a popcorn prayer. You know popcorn? My kids used to love those jiffy pop things. You know? Put on the stove. They love those things. That's the kind of prayers. You know, God, I think, pays just as much attention to a 15-second prayer as he does a 15-minute prayer. And if you call out to God and say, God, I need you now. I need your help on this now. And this is what it is. And, and you're specific and you're to the point. Occasionally, I'll talk to somebody and they'll be going on and on and on. It's like an Encyclopedia Britannica, not a Reader's Digest version. And I'll say, GTTP, and it's get to the point. It, it, make it short. Make it concise. That's what you want to do. It's okay to have a short prayer. D.L. Moody said this, some people's prayers need to be cut off at both ends and set fire to in the middle. (laughs) Longer prayers, now not in every instance, but longer prayers sometimes means you're just trying to impress God or whoever's listening. That's not what prayer is about. God, could you help me say the right thing? God, would you calm my heart? God, would you give me the affirmation that I need? Lord, help me. Short prayers work just as well as lengthy ones. However, you do need to plan times of longer prayer. You need to plan an hour of prayer power. Okay? And it can be as short as a half an hour, but an hour is ideal. But here's the problem with planning an hour of prayer power. You pray for five minutes, and all of a sudden you're done. You're going, now what do I pray about? Here's what you do. Before you do that, you make a list of the people you want to pray for specifically, the things you want to pray about specifically, the government leaders you want to pray for, the local leaders you want to pray for, the church leaders you want to pray for, your family, your friends, those that are lost, the issues in the world you want to pray about. You make a list about the world situations that you're struggling with. And then after that, be still for a moment, spend some time in praise. God loves praise. Read a psalm. Pray it back to God. 
then listen to what he says to you about it. Spend an hour of prayer power. And then make a day to pray. Make a day to pray. Decide to set aside a day, a half a day, whatever it might be. Pick a book or two in the Bible. Now, if you're going to do either one of these two things that I just mentioned, you probably need to get away from your normal routine. You may even have to get away from the house, depending on what your living arrangements are. But you know what? You need an extended time away to focus just on God. It'll help you. Pick up a book like Colossians or Psalms and read those two books and then be still and let God talk to you about those books. And then pray to him what he talks to you about. Sometimes it can be a single issue that's weighing on your heart and you just need to pour your heart out to God. Maybe you need to cry out to God and tell him what the problems are. It's also important to journal it. Now, I don't journal as well as I should. I got little scraps of paper all over. It's my problem. I write them on little notes, and I got, you know, pray about this, pray about that. Oh, I prayed about this. And, and it doesn't, I need to be better organized with that. I'm confessing now, okay? Um, but you need to pray. Sometimes you just need to get in a different place. When you do those things, God will lift you out of the fog of this life, and he'll give you some more assurance and some more strength to carry on. And isn't that what we're all after, really? It's more strength to carry on. When we do those things, it's going to come out that God is understanding. And you are going to understand God's will much better in your life. And we need to do that. Prayer is a relationship. It's about communication with God. The best relationships can become stagnant without proper communication in some variety from time to time. You need to keep that in mind. There's an acrostic that I like to use, and, and it's, it's, it's ACTS, A-C-T-S. A is for adoration. C is for confession. T is for thanksgiving. And S is for supplication. With adoration, spend some time adoring God. Spend some time telling him how much you love him just because of who he is. Nothing more. And then <clears throat> in confession... Tell God you're sorry. Admit your faults. He knows them. It's not like you're hiding them. Sometimes we think we are. And then ask for his forgiveness and repent of those things. It's pretty simple. And in giving thanks, give him thanks for the practical things he's done in your life, for watching out for you, for being able to avoid that car accident, for, for, for not falling off that ladder, whatever it might be. But give him thanks. Thanksgiving is more practical and focused on certain things. And then supplication means you pray for the needs of others. You pray for not only their needs, you pray for your needs. But be specific. A few questions you might need to ask yourself. Are your prayers balanced? Are your prayers really balanced the way they should be? Am I covering these four areas? Am I covering adoration, confession, thanksgiving, and supplication? In some area of my relationship, is there something in my prayer life where I've neglected or maybe ignored because I don't want to broach it with God? We should always pray to God. We should praise him for his purposes, his provision, and his pardon. Always. Jesus in the Lord's Prayer taught us some amazing things in the model prayer. 
whatever you'd like to call it. He taught us, taught us to praise God. That's, that's adoration. He taught us to pray about his purpose. That's, that's God's will. He wants us to understand his will and do that so that his will will be done in our lives. He taught us to ask him for provision, pray for our daily bread. He taught us to pray for those things. He taught us to pray for forgiveness or pardon. He tells us those things throughout all this. How many of you ever pray about your temptations? You know, sometimes we forget that we're, we're going to be tempted all around us in different ways by different things. And we don't often pray about our temptations in life. But maybe we should pray about our temptations and say, God, help, help protect me from those temptations. He, all those temptations are not going to be removed. But he can help you with those temptations. Again, in the Lord's model prayer, there's a very different perspective about God and the bigness of God, the greatness of God, where it says, hallowed be your name. Your will be done. It tells us how big God really is. It tells us what he can really do. Maybe you need to spend more time in praise, one of those questions. Jesus taught us to pray for so many different things. Psalms teaches us that every living thing on earth, every moment of every day is totally dependent on God. And we need to remember that. He not only sets things in motion, he not only created things and set things in motion, he keeps everything running and moving. And that's how it should be. Finding different ways to pray is very, very important. It'll help your prayer life. It'll transform it. It'll revolutionize it. Paul prayed, watch your attitudes when he said in that last part, of that verse, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. Two very important things we need to remember about attitudes. There's an attitude of importance, and then there is the attitude of endurance. Endurance. What do I mean by that? I read an article recently about a survey that a Christian organization took of Christians, and they said that they were looking for what are some of the topics that most Christians would really like to know more about. They anticipated that it was going to be about money or family life or something like that. You know what the results came back as? They wanted to know how to make their prayer life more effective. That was what a majority of the survey results came back as. How can I make my prayers more effective? One of the simplest keys I think of is remember how important it is. Watch that attitude of important. Be alert about it. God has chosen to do the work in this world through prayer. We need to remember that. It's important work. It shouldn't be the last thing we do. We can't often see how our prayer, we can see the results of our prayers in some cases, but we can't see the importance of a prayer in some symbol or some terminology. God doesn't show it that way. But God encourages us to continually talk to him. Some people think that when we pray, if God doesn't answer our prayer right away, he's not going to answer it at all. We're like the fisherman that goes out to fish, and we get all set up, and we throw out our line, we reel it in a time or two, and we go, oh, no fish here, got to go somewhere else. That's how we are with some of our prayers. We have to be careful, because we often want to know, why hasn't God answered our prayer yet? Well, I'm going to tell you what I think. I think God doesn't answer our prayer because he wants to encourage us 
and remind us how important it is, but he's teaching us endurance. He's teaching us faithfulness. He's teaching us patience. He's teaching us that we need to have those things in our life if we're going to pray. He's working on us and he's working in us. You ever notice when a newborn baby is born, they cry and you immediately go take care of them? Two reasons. One, you don't want to hear that noise. And two, you want to take care of their needs right away. But as they grow up and they get a little older, now it's funny, Jasper, I'm going to tell on you. With little heaven, he's learned her cries. He's learned her, her little cry, her little outburst, whatever you want to call it. And it's funny because he, he moves differently at different cries. If she cries and she's really needing something, he will go immediately. I've watched this take place. And, but, if she's, but if she's just whiny, he's like, okay, in a minute. So it, it's the same with babies. We start to understand and know their cries. And I got to thinking about this, watching Jasper in heaven and thinking about this. You know, does God do that with us? Does he understand our cries? I know he does. But, but is it... When we're, when we're new Christians and we're babes in Christ and we cry out to him, he comes and he answers those prayers right away because he knows we need that support. We know we, he knows we need it now. But as we grow more mature, he makes us wait longer. I've often wondered that. You know, I, I just think that that's part of its timing. And part of it, it's the time of waiting and it's the time of learning us but we have to be still and know that he's teaching us endurance in prayer abraham's a good example of that think about this abraham prayed for 25 years before he gave him a child right moses is another good one he prayed for the people to be set free from egypt he had to wait 40 years and then he led them around for another 40 years how'd you like to do that Listen, mature believers sometimes have to wait for God's answer to their prayers. And we need to wait patiently. God encourages us always to keep on praying, though. Look at what he says in Luke 18, 1 through 5. Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and never give up. He said, in a certain town there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared what people thought. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with a plea. Grant me justice against my adversary. For some time he refused. But finally he said to himself, even though I don't fear God or care what people think, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually wear me out with her coming. Sometimes we forget that there's exciting things happening behind the scenes when we pray. We don't always get to see the whole picture. We may not even see the whole picture when it's all done and complete. But we need to remember those things are happening behind the scenes. We need to, and when those things do take place, it helps us understand that God's will is being done and we need to patiently endure during that prayer. Sometimes we ask, why am I waiting so long? Why do I have to wait so long, God? And then when the prayer is answered, 
You know what God's answer is back to us, I think? He says, why did it take you so long to believe that I'd answer that prayer? You know, God is incredibly faithful. We need to recognize that his timing is better than our timing. But what do you do when you receive no answer to prayer? Think about that for a second. Lloyd Ogilvy, the chaplain of the U.S. Senate from 1995 to 2003, he was the 61st chaplain of the U.S. Senate. He said this, the purpose of unanswered prayer is to lead us from hearsay to heart sight. From hearsay to heart sight. It's important we remember that. It takes us from knowing God, knowing about God, to truly knowing God, who he is. When a prayer of mine is unanswered, I usually start to talk to God a lot about it. And I imagine some of you do too. But it's interesting because some of the things we talk to him about are not really the prayer. We're grumbling, we're murmuring, we're complaining. And scripture tells us we shouldn't do that. We should just continue to pray. Oswald Chambers wrote, as long as we get from God everything we ask for, we never get to know him. We look at him simply as a blessing machine. I'll bet some of you struggle with why God doesn't answer your prayers. But you know what? Paul, one of the greatest Christians that ever lived, struggled with that. Paul had this thorn in his flesh, and we know it was some kind of physical ailment. Some people think it was his eyes because of being blinded. Other people think it was malaria. We really don't know. We're not told. But he had some kind of physical ailment, and it was apparently at times affecting his ministry. So he cried out to God. He prayed to God, and he said, you know, Lord, take this from me. Take this affliction away. He didn't. And he said, Lord, I pray about this again. And he said, no, I'm not. Some people may have come up to Paul and said, you know what? If you had more faith, you'd be healed. That's like the joke about the little old lady that came to a healing service. And she went up on stage and the preacher laid his hands on her. The healer laid his hands on her, prayed over, and she didn't get healed. So she went back and sat down, and she's got her cane. And he went to her afterward, and he says, ma'am, the only reason you didn't get healed is because you, you uh, didn't have enough faith. She took her cane, turned it over, and whacked him on the leg just as hard as she could. And he's hopping around. He's going, ow, ow, ow. She says, well, if you didn't have enough faith, if you had more faith, that wouldn't hurt. <laughs> See, it's not faith. In that instance, it's not faith. Some people came along and said it's unconfessed sin. Thank God Paul didn't listen to either one of those folks. Fortunately, Paul listened to the Lord. He said, my grace is sufficient for you in all those needs. In 2 Corinthians, he learned some things. Paul learned some really interesting things about unanswered prayer. Look at what he says in 2 Corinthians 12, 8 through 9. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Listen, some of you have some physical afflictions, some ailments, some problems. 
Jesus is telling us all, my grace is sufficient for you. And I know they're bothersome sometimes. I know they hurt us. But he says, my grace is sufficient for you in light of this current affliction. There are some incredible things to think about, real deep things to think about in regard to God's ability here. His grace is the answer to the prayer. And we often don't think about that. Whatever, whatever is needed is behind the prayer that you're praying that grace will one day meet all those needs. Listen, if it's not on earth, it's going to be in heaven. We need to remember that. In heaven, all our needs are going to be met simply by his presence. In heaven, when we pray for companionship, he's already right there. Here on earth, we can pray for relationships and companionships and healing and direction and all those things. His grace is sufficient. But sometimes we act like it's not. It leads us to a point where his grace is sufficient because he has the power. Let's think about this for a second. He has the power to meet those needs. But there comes a special time in each one of our lives where we have to pray a prayer. And I call it a prayer of acceptance. A prayer of acceptance. Well, what is that? Well, Paul prayed that prayer when Christ answered him and he says, my grace is sufficient for you. Mary prayed that prayer when she said she understood that she was going to be the mother of Jesus. She accepted that prayer. She accepted that information willingly. Jesus Jesus himself prayed a prayer of acceptance when he was in the garden. He says, not my will, but thy will be done. That prayer of acceptance should be prayed by each and every single one of us at some point in our lives. This acceptance comes when we stop demanding of God and we start depending on God. It's a process, I understand. It doesn't happen overnight. But it starts when we stop demanding of God and start depending on him. There's a difference. Many times God is teaching us my grace is sufficient because he simply meets all our daily needs. Number five, we'll wrap this up. Pray for all the saints. Now, it's a lengthy, lengthy passage. I'm going to give you the Bible verse. It's there on your sheet, I think. John 17. It's lengthy. I'm not going to read any of it. You read it. Go home and crack the back on that book. He says very simply, we pray for, he prays for himself. Jesus prays for himself. He prays for all the disciples. He plays, prays for all the believers. Why? Why do we need to focus our prayers so much on believers? Because believers is who he works through to the rest of the world. Now, think about this for a second. God has an ability to work through the lives of saints more than he does any other individual on earth. And we need to remember that. Why do you think he told the disciples, his apostles, that the fields were white for harvest and he prayed for the workers? I find that interesting. He didn't pray for the lost. 
He prayed for the workers because the workers were the one that were going to go reap the harvest. Why? He says, you know what? It's not the believers that are the problem. The believers are ready. The field is ripe for harvest. But it's the workers that needs the extra prayer because they're not going, they're not reaping, and they're not ready. My question to you this morning, are you ready? Are we really ready? What would happen if, to, if, if next Sunday we had twice as many people show up? Are you ready? See? A lot of times we're the issue. The fields are ripe for harvest. We need to pray. We all need to pray for each other. We need to be specific in our prayers. If you're having problems with your kids or your family members, a brother or sister, a mom or dad or a kid, pray for them. See if they'll pray with you. Be specific. Also, there's another thing you need to do. Not only being specific, you need to be vulnerable and you need to be honest. That's an absolute must. You need to be vulnerable and you need to be honest, especially with yourself. Paul, closing out Ephesians, said this, Ephesians 6, 19 through 20. Pray also for me that whenever I open my mouth, words may be given to me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in change. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. You notice in that he says fearlessly twice. I think Paul, you may be in better company than you know, Craig. I think Paul was fearful many times. Because if you go back and you really read between the lines, he talked about fear a lot of times. And the angels had to come to him several times and say, Paul, don't be afraid. God is with you. He'll strengthen you. He'll give you courage. When he was in, Cor uh, in Corinth, he said, I was with you in weakness and in fear and much trembling. And the angels had to comfort him. That's where we really need to pray. We need to be vulnerable. We need to be informative. We need to inform others about what we have that they may not have. Ephesians 6, 23 and 24. I know I skipped a few passages there, but they're not tied in with what I'm thinking about here. Peace to you, brothers, and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace to all of you who love our Lord Jesus Christ with undying love. Listen, Paul is closing out this, praying for peace, love, faith, and assurance, and grace to be recognized and lived out in our lives. My challenge to you today is to do that. Pray in the Spirit on all occasions, all kinds of prayers, with this in mind, be alert, always keeping in praying for all the saints. See, there's a key word there, all. When we move from prayer is something I just do to something that is important and it has endurance and it makes an impact in other people's lives and it becomes all important in our work or in our life, then we really pray. That's how we transform it. When I move from yes, I pray sometimes to yes, I pray all the time, that's when our prayer life is being transformed. 
That's when we make the biggest difference. You revolutionize and you transform your prayer life by doing those things. Listen, my hope and prayer is every single one of us, myself included, can move from praying sometimes to praying all the time. You know, some of Satan's greatest strategies, unfortunately, is that when we start to pray or when we try to pray, he comes along and says, well, don't you feel guilty about not praying this way? Or don't you feel guilty about doing that? Or don't you feel guilty about doing this and not doing that in your prayer life? Don't listen to that junk. Listen, God is here to tell you what you can do. It's Satan that tells you what you messed up on. But God is faithful and just. Forgive us of all unrighteousness. Just simply ask him a prayer of forgiveness and move on. Don't get hung up on that. I see in you a bunch of prayer warriors, and I'm going to tell you why I say that. I say that because on Monday night, there's women in this room over here praying. I say that because on Monday night, there's guys in this room in here praying. And the men's group has grown, grown from three or four guys to about 15 to 20 guys in here on Monday nights praying. And I know that that's making a difference because of the people that are coming in and people that are talking to us and the ministries that are being developed, and the ministries that are being carried out, and the people that we're serving with the homeless ministry, with the food pantry ministry, with all the other various ministries, with all the good things that we are doing for our community and how we're serving our community and serving one another, I know that prayer is there. And it's a situation where I'm encouraging you to continue praying. I got some great visions. And dreams, because I'm an old man, you know. But I see for every single one of us some incredible things taking place. But we have to continue praying. When you leave here today, I want you to try to make a commitment. I encourage you to make a commitment that you're going to change your prayer life and adopt one of those things that I laid out today. 15 minutes of prayer, popcorn prayers, a day of prayer, an hour of power prayer, whatever. But adopt one of those, plug it into your prayer life, and see if it doesn't make a difference. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you so much for this body of believers. I know that because of the people that are coming and the people that are contacting us and the, and the communication cards we get, that there's prayer taking place. And I pray, Lord, that you prepare our hearts and prepare our minds and our souls and our spirits to, to be ready to reap a harvest in this community, that you would move in our lives to empower us to do what we need to do as we draw closer to you to prepare our hearts and minds to be receptive to those that come in and to be energized and full of the Spirit and be praying in the Spirit through all these things we do. And Father, is there anyone here this morning that, that has made that decision to follow you and to, to be your child? Or maybe they have questions, maybe they don't fully understand, but they'd like to know more. Father, we pray that they just take that card on the back of that chair in front of them and, and mark that and let us know and we'll reach out to them and we'll, we'll help them understand what they need to know. But if they made that decision, they need to follow you. They need to just 
tell us that today. Step out of that, come down the aisle, and and just share that with us so that we can welcome them into God's family. And maybe there's those that have made that decision maybe even a long time ago, but they've never been baptized. As you were baptized, Father. And we just pray that if they're here this morning and they'd like to be baptized, that you would allow them to come this morning and share that with us and we'll make arrangements for that to take place. And Lord, maybe there's those that are coming from a a different church or a church of like mind and faith and they haven't been part of a church family for a while. Or maybe they've just moved into our local area. We pray, Lord, that you would encourage them to join this body of believers. We have a great family here, Lord. You know it. I know it. Many of the people know it. And we pray that if they'd like to just be a part of this body of believers, part of this church family, that you'd move them to come this morning. Father, we lift up all these prayers to you. We thank you for your gracious love and mercy and kindness in our lives. And we thank you for everything you've given us this last year. I know we just celebrated Thanksgiving, but, but I just cannot praise you and thank you enough for all that you allow us to have and all that you allow us to do. And we simply lift up these prayers to you in Jesus' name. If you can and would, stand, please. Softly and tenderly, Jesus is calling, calling for you and for me. See on portals, he's Thank you all for coming today and just be safe out there watch that crazy traffic seriously
between now and the end of the year, and especially in this time of year. I love that song, guys. That was a great special. Thank you. All right. Uh, for our closing song, we're going we're gonna to sing, Jesus Loves Even Me, and that means even you. But if you say it, it means even me. So it means all of us. God bless you. Have a great week.